2: And, and
3: our happiness is egg shaped. Happiness is egg shaped, and love's us a circle with no end. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> that's, that's I was talking about this last night, and he
0: said happiness is egg shaped.
3: Hey, um, happiness is egg shaped. Happiness is egg shaped, and love's us a circle with no end.
1: Hello and welcome to the Happinesses Podcast with me, your host Bruce Aitchison from Happiness Is Egg Shaped and as I say at the beginning of all of these, I am very excited by today's guest. I have made the sum total of no notes on this man because I feel like I know him so well. He is a hero of mine. There is a moment... That this man created. And if you've seen the movie Train Spotting and the scene where Archie Gemmell scores a goal for Scotland in the 1978 World Cup, that is what this man did in rugby for a generation and possibly more than a generation of Scottish rugby supporters. He is now. Borrowed by business and sport and parents and all sorts to try and make life better, and I am very excited to have him as a guest on the podcast. So let's get going with the one and the only Mr. Tony Stanger.
3: Hey Bruce, how are you?
1: Yeah, very well. I'm absolutely delighted Good. to have you as a guest. When I, when we started talking about a podcast, I made my list of people that I wanted to be on the pod, and you are on the original list. So I'm oh, delighted awesome. that you're able to be here. Nice to hear it. <laughs> now. Well, let's start from that point because you're probably sick of talking about it and we'll, we'll get out of the way early. In 1990, you scored a try that I don't know if you've been able to die out on for all that time, but people like me talk to you about it all the time.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I suppose it was a long time ago as as you know we lot's happened between now and then um but I tell you what 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 I do what, what's what I like um you know rugby rugby was something i i did I felt it's not who I am it's just something something that I did not and I, and I loved it but what what I love about that particularly was i have um there's people I've never met before. Who I have a shared emotional memory with because of that game. People love to come up to me and say, I was there. Can I just shake your hand? What a great day. Or I was down south with a group of uni pals and I was the only Scotsman in the room and it was an amazing day. And And people liked it. They remember it like it was yesterday, as, as I do, because of the emotion of the situation. So to have, you know, sport can do that. I think other things, art can do that, music can do that as well. But just to have that sort of shared emotional connection with someone you've never met, is uh, is amazing really and and I, and I love that about it as much as um you know people might say well, you never kind of talk about it too much and yeah it was great it was a nice memory it's time to move on I'm kind of more forward looking than backward looking but, but I don't underestimate how powerful it can be the human connection is what we're all about i think we've missed that over the last 12 months so to to be able to have someone you've never met before come up to you and just Remember a specific moment in time where you were both doing slightly different things but involved in the same moment is uh, is amazing, so I don't take that lightly and it was uh nice to really nice to be a part of that
1: it's It's really powerful. How much of this and we'll get into learning and we'll get into acquiring skill and and all those good bits that you've got so much knowledge in how much of that situation can you attribute to
3: luck? Um, the, an, an interesting question because you know, obviously, the 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 bounce of the ball it, a number of things could have could have gone a different way. Um, and you, I've told you the story before. I almost didn't play in the game. I hurt my uh, my uh, collarbone the weekend before playing for Hoyk in a, in a league game against Jumel. So I was touch and go whether I would play again. I think if that had been in the modern, actually play the game. So if that that had been just now, I think the medics would have had, at least. there's is no way he's going to be able to play. So, you know, again, lucky that lucky that I played in that particular era where you know it was kind of some of the decision was left left up to me and not some somebody else. So yes, there's a bit of the bounce of the the ball um there's also you could say well it wasn't the easiest catch in the world to take as well I didn't exactly jump up into my basket so um <laughs> so um yes no it, it does i think the circumstances if you the, the preparation i think people always say that and i do believe it you know you you prepare and, and you just have to respond to what happens in front of you and um you know to keep uh, keeping things current well i think if we look back and see how we've responded as human beings over the last 12 months to what's happened, I think we've done an amazing job. I, 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 don't, I don't think we give enough credit to the scientists to be able to come up with a vaccine in such a short period of time. So we're very adaptable as, as human beings and, and as a species. So uh, so yes, you know, that these things happen to you and respond to them. So I think I'd like to say if I was bigging myself up that I'd, um, I'd prepared for these different eventualities and, and um, you know, that's what the training and the preparation does, you know, who knows what can happen, but let's try and be as ready for it as we can. And that that
1: moment, I don't think will be, it's a highlight of your life, but you've already said you're a forward-looking person, so there's still a lot of highlights to come. I'm a great believer in we're products of our environment and our upbringing. What, what can you see for the future for Tony Stanger, knowing everything you know already, what can you see the future holds for you?
3: Yeah, and another another great question. So so um, I suppose it's um so I born and brought up in Hoyk, it was a, a rugby town, you know, it's rugby as you well know, very culturally significant in, in Hoyk. So therefore, as a quiet, shy young man, you know, growing up in a small town, you know, it was a way to get a bit of credibility with, you know, the people around about you. So and it kind of suited me physically and I was um I was quite big when I was young. I was I was fast. And um, so, therefore, you know that kind of played into my hands in terms of of, of rugby. But I think the thing about me was, but because I was quiet and shy, I was a real thinker. So I put an awful lot of thought into to what I was doing. And I don't think I really um, I've become I've come to realise this rather than knew it at that point that it was just in rugby it was something I was interested in, but it wasn't that wasn't who I was. It was just something I did. So I was able. I think quite easily to make a transition, for example, from rugby when I retired into coaching and then from from coaching in rugby full time to working at the Institute of Sport in Sterling and, and doing different things. So but it's all when I look back, it's all based on something that challenges me and stretches me as a person, understanding that an awful lot of what I achieve is within my control. And then giving giving myself to whatever that is a hundred percent and then Ultimately, you can't be too disappointed if you've given it your your best shot if it doesn't quite work out, then then so be it but um, so lots of learning along the way, so as much as rugby was a, an amazing part of of my life and I met some amazing people and built some great relationships you know that, that was the opportunity and the environment around about you to 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 challenge you and sport does that you know you go in the work I do now with businesses sometimes in a business world people go in look at the diary for the week. They know how to do everything in that diary. They do it. And then, well, back in the olden days, they went home at the weekend. Now they stay at home at the weekend. So whereas in sport, what you do is you look at your week and say, well, okay, what's going on this week? Could I be a bit faster, a bit stronger? What's the opposition this weekend? What can we do technically or tactically to overcome this opposition? Then you focus on that. So I think the sport has helped me to look at life in that way that, you know, there's just a, an opportunity to, to learn and grow and move forward here and then just focus that that ability, that 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 way of thinking on whatever I choose to do next whether that's bringing up your own kids whether that's changing direction in terms of what you do as a career, whether it's, I love golf I'm just looking out the window here as it's kind of sleeting and I'm due to play golf this afternoon so I'm getting a bit twitchy because I love that because I love, it's good fun and you play with pals but you also, you want to try and be as good as you can so I can apply everything I've learned to that situation as well so it's, um it's it really is it's probably, I didn't realise it and couldn't articulate it clearly when I was growing up, but I've always enjoyed this process of just kind of testing myself a little bit. So I wonder if I can do that. And and if I give her a good go and I can't don't quite get there, you know, no harm done. Just let's move on and do something else.
1: Are you still ridiculously competitive? Like when you go and play golf this afternoon, I know you're playing with your pals and there's maybe no trophy at the end of it, but do you still
3: want to win? Um I'm com- very competitive with myself. I'm not not so with other people. So you wouldn't know if I was playing. having a game of ping pong with you. You wouldn't see me ranting and raving if uh, if you nosed ahead in the game. I, I would, but I'd be a, a disappointed in myself if I missed an easy shot or if I'd, I'd um, you know if there's something that was in my control that that. Uh, I'd let myself down. So, um, so yeah, and, and I'm able to then. So yeah, enjoy it, enjoy the spirit of competition. But it's about me. It's about you know knowing what you're capable of. And and then you you know you're delighted when things go well and you play well and you're on a good score and you've got three holes to go and you manage to kind of par your way in. That's a that's a great feeling. And who cares? You're you know whether you've won the competition or not and beating it at somebody else who might be having a great day. But you've been able to handle that situation because you've done some of the things you've done to prepare. And, um, and again, it's a sport is, is a good way of doing that. Or why, why wasn't I able to handle those last three holes and, and put in a good score? Well, because I haven't really practiced that in my swings, you know what? It's a little bit, you know, it, it's a kind of swing that doesn't really hold up under pressure. So if I wanted to do something about it, I'd have to kind of simplify my swing. So I'm prepared to do that. Yes. I know, make that decision. And then you say, right, okay, this is so, I can't beat myself up if I, if I don't do it in the future, if I'm not working on it. So, um so it's, but again, with something like golf, which is a hobby of mine, then I don't, I, you know, I don't, for example, I don't put the level of scrutiny on that as I would do in my rugby career or my business career at the moment. You know, it, it's kind of in there and I'm doing it, but so therefore I'm not too disappointed if progress is not super, super fast.
1: And that's a, obviously it's a mature view and you've had a lot of learning along the way. How early in your career was it about you rather than about winning or being selected or how you were perceived by others?
3: I I think probably unfortunately that um, in society still do this. We love a label don't we? Uh, I know you work in teaching that it's so easy to say kids who are the, the smart kids and who are the kids who are struggling and the kids who are you know, disruptive or all these things. We, Unfortunately in life, we love a label. So I, I know I've accepted labels along the way, even part of my rugby career, you know, things I could could, could and couldn't do. Oh, you're good at this, but don't you be kicking the ball, son, because you're no good at that. Somebody else, leave that to somebody else. You know, these, these are very powerful statements which are given to young people, which kind of shape their beliefs about things. And we have to be very careful with that, ridiculously careful with that and I and I see elements of poor coaching all the time that we we limit other people's potential by throwaway comments sometimes. So and I think I I definitely fell into that that category. And and you'll remember as well as I do, there was there was definitely a a kind of safety first culture in rugby. It was we we always used to finish a rugby training session with two lengths of unopposed, no dropping the ball. And if you don't drop the ball over two lengths of unopposed, you get to go in and get a shower. So what's the easiest way not to drop the ball is to stand a bit closer together, rather than move the ball quickly, move it slowly. And of course, you, you achieve the objective, which is to get up and down without dropping the ball. But you've learned, you've reinforced a skill set which is not going to help you in the actual performance. So we have to be very careful about errors and mistakes and say, listen, they are part of the learning process. We shouldn't, we shouldn't just say errors are fine. We should say errors are, are something that we learn from and we don't set up learning environments that actually compromise people's learning rather than, than, than allow it to grow and expand. So I, I went through an awful lot, and, and I don't want to be too critical, but I went through an awful lot of environments which I thought this is not as good as it could be in terms of what, why are we, for example, you know, focusing on this through the week, we get seem to get better at training and we have great training sessions and we still have an issue with this at the game at the weekend. Now, why are we jumping around from then doing this? And then suddenly there's a problem with that, right? We're do, doing this now. And, you know, why was, I guess I, you know, criticising a lot of ways for, for not being fit enough, where rugby was about, you know, to me it was about speed and, and uh, agility and power rather than doing 10 laps to warm up. So I suppose I came through an environment which didn't make sense to me as a, as a thinker. And it's why ultimately I left a couple of jobs, went back to university when I was 25, uh, and I'm happy to share the story. So I, I left school with two C-grade hires. And, I, and I, d- I failed all my O-grades. As people who are old as me know an O-grade. It was like a na- National 5 now. So I did physics and chemistry and biology at National 5, failed them all. And then I wanted to do an applied sports science degree when I was 26. And you needed, I think, based on your higher results, you needed 18 points to get onto the, the course. I had six points based on two C-grade uh, hires, uh, one in English, one in accountancy, I think it, I think it was. Um, there were 30 kids in my class, so all of them had something like the points in the 20s. But after four years um, of of commitment from myself, there was only one person in the class who got a first-class honours degree in applied sports science. So it really taught me a massive lesson that I'd allowed maybe schooling to pigeonhole me as, yeah, you know, not particularly bright and and um, but good at and maybe some other things. To saying, listen, this is actually up to me. You know, I get to decide here. I'm not going to let somebody else tell me what I can and can't do. I'll decide to go for it. And uh, and if I'm committed enough, and this is the outcome is important enough to me, it's amazing what can be achieved. So I think that period of my life from mid twenties to to uh, early thirties, when I was still playing international rugby at that point. Was massively shaping in terms of my beliefs around what ability is and where it comes from, and I was also able to study that as well. So this whole notion of you're a natural, you're you're gifted is is um, is ultimately nonsense, you know. So so let's get that message out there and, and move away from that and uh, get more young people understanding. It's not it's not our job as adults to limit young people's potential, but unfortunately, I see that happening uh, too often at the moment.
1: Yeah, there's so many bits in there. Um- One of them, and I've spoken to a couple of guests on about this. I was at my kids Christmas Carol concert three or four years ago and all the P1 classes all sang their hearts out and all the proud parents were there. And as I was leaving, the deputy head teacher was holding the door open. And as I walked past her, I said, it's a real shame what happens to kids, because every single one of them, if you asked them if they could sing, they would say yes. But there then comes a point where language and and adults project things onto kids. Like, I'm not a singer. I'm not a sporty person. I'm not mathematician. I'm not. A... And just by accepting that and verbalising that and saying it's okay for that, a lot of kids then have that feeling that you're saying just now, and they're they're given a label. and And it breaks my heart. I can't remember. I think it's attributed to Picasso that every child's an or Da Vinci, every child's an artist until an adult tells them they're not. Where do you think the biggest progress could be made in that area?
3: You know, I, I work a lot in coaching. If, if, I, if I if I was in charge of budgets, I'd pay the, the the biggest salaries to coaches who work at that age from participation. That 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 crossroads between participation when you step into maybe thinking, you know, I'm I really quite enjoying this. I'd like to progress and do this a little bit more here. I think that's where we, we need to have our very best coaches. Now, it's a different skill set. So I wouldn't say Gregor Townsend necessarily yeah. would have the skill set to drop down and do that, but it's a very particular skill set. Um, my wife, who you don't don't know, did, did that. She doesn't do it now, but at primary school, she gave up her own time to work for an athletics, uh, to do some work with athletics at a local primary school and very inclusive. You know, there was no who's the fastest, who's the slowest. Everybody progress at your own rates. And and she has, a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm bigging her up here, but she's really got that skill set to do that really well, to encourage people to get... And this is, remember, this is in Scotland. This is an after-school cross-country athletics club you know, how many people are you going to get? Literally, over couldn't you know, particularly as regulations change with numbers, etc. You know, couldn't cope with the number of kids who wanted to do it. Now, was there an element of an extra an, an extra hour at school as babysitting potentially? But these kids loved it, and they went to competitions and did runs of, regardless of their ability. So the the ability to hold people in sport and do it a bit longer and and avoid these labels is is a is not easy to do. But if you focus on that as a number one skill. So how many sets and reps and all these kind of things that you do is much less important than the, your ability to inspire someone to keep going and not look at what other kids are doing and say, well, they're faster than me. Well, actually just you are you getting better? Can you see the signs of improvement? Fantastic. So I think we don't, we, we, we do don't get go wrong. Governing bodies do look at that, but I don't think we really focus heavily enough on that and say how important this is to the bigger picture. Because if we're always looking back to saying in a small country like Scotland, well, how many people have we got to pick from in this particular sport? Well, where's, where's the big dropout happening? It's happening down there where kids are, for whatever reason, getting the message sometimes, well, you know, I can't do this, I can't do that. And you can you ask it what, why. I said to my, my youngest, this is a few years ago, I'm rubbish at spelling, Dad. I said, you know, because I'm on that, like, why do you think that? Um well, the teachers put everybody into to, um, different groups in the spelling groups in the class. And I'm in the bottom one. I said, "Did the teacher say you're in the bottom one?" No, but you know the best spellers are in this group, and all the one you know, and the worst spellers are in my group. So you don't even have to say something sometimes, you know. But, but kids pick these things up. So very important that we try and get this message across there it's an ongoing journey, it's non- non-linear, let's let's al- allow us to take the, the steps to get there and show people the signs of improvement and that's where the motivation is really kicking and, and people can then, you know, progress on and, and stay in things longer when, and not decide when it's right for them to stop, not do it based on what an adult, as you say, has, has maybe I've told them.
1: Yeah, uh, again, love it. And you, you mentioned inspiration there and I think, and I don't know your wife, you're right, although we have she does reply to me when you forget (laughs) sometimes so i'm I'm beginning to get the relationship here but i would imagine a big part of why she was successful in having numbers and kids who were motivated was because the relationship that she'd built with them and this is something that now we keep coming back to you've already said it's more important than the reps and the sets when i've spoken to other people on this podcast they've said you know We make things complicated, especially the game of rugby, but it comes down to some pretty basic things and the relationships that you have. Now, you've had some pretty inspirational people involved in your life, and I can remember you coming back to uni as a student and admiring you from afar, working with Malcolm Fairweather on... Not just the physical attributes that you needed, but I would imagine a huge number of mental, emotional, social aspects, knowing Malcolm Fairweather as a dude. I would imagine you take something from everyone and then you make it into Tony Stanger. Who, who have you taken lots from? What sort of people do you take from and learn and mold it into
3: your own? Yeah, it, uh, no, it's, it's a great question. It would be uh, probably remiss if, if you, if you think about the the, the journey, and you know, I've I've got four brothers, and um, we all got on ridiculously well together. We're all within an eight year age gap, and we we had lots of you know just to have that those raw materials, particularly physically, um, to to be able to kind of go and do stuff back in the day when there was less other things to do. We had a big garden, so you go out and and just do things. You know, parents were, were, were very shaping. Rugby-wise, Mae Sinclair, when I was at school at primary school, was a very unusual as a a female um, teacher who took took rugby, gave up her time and commitment, taught you the basic skills. Bill McLaren, as you know, was was a PE teacher of mine. You know who who took all the primary schools in Hoy. So the, there's countless numbers of, of of people who, and a lot of it was about commitment and support and helping you. and And although I didn't. The, the the labels i can't i couldn't say who you know where it came from it was more more general just i think in society accepting that you've either got this ability or you haven't and fortunately people maybe said that i did so I, so i maybe started to believe that oh you're good you're fast you're this the other so i know loads of kids maybe had a different experience and, and dropped out and probably hate sport be, because of that Mal- malcolm's a really Im- important um, person in my development because he opened my eyes to an alternate view of 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 development. So, this idea of you know ten laps of the pitch to warm up, and we, we everything's kind of structured in a certain way. And there's a thing called blocked and random practice and skill acquisition. We just practice the same skills over and over again. We get good at practicing, but those don't transfer well into a game. So, there's all these things which have been going on. For years and years, which had never seemed to come into, and I felt I was playing. You know, for Hoik was one of the, if not the best, one of the best clubs in Scotland. And then you're into South, and then Scotland. And there's all this information out there that's never been, you know, we don't seem to be using, and we're certainly we're certainly not using the the in the way it was intended to do. So, so that going to uni was a massively important part of my life to open my eyes to to what's possible. And now that was sort of the mid '90s, and looking at how. Professional teams prepare now. This is exactly the stuff that they're they're using, and the the quality of the coaching is chalk and cheese from people like Jim um, Jim Talfrey and McGee and those kind of guys, brilliant coaches, you know. And particularly Geech was someone who really why, why why always kick it over to the left hand side, just over the ten meter line, and get them to catch it, then Hoover it to touch. Why not kick it over there? So they were pushing the boundaries. But so when the sports science really got a hold of it, then then we really started to change things. So Markham was amazing. Just opened my eyes to. What is, it? what is even skill acquisition? You, you just got into that habit of going, doing a drill, and I, and I don't like the idea of a drill because you you drill a certain movement into you, which you then if it's not relevant to a game, you remember. I don't know whether they still do it or not, but you used to set up um, four on a corner, then you'd run across and pop the ball to the person coming to you. I think you, always, you think that through. How often do we just run across and pop a ball to someone? So are we setting these these squares up just because they're they're easy or, or are we setting them up because they actually make a difference? So there's all these things we're challenged. And I think, you know, nowadays what it looks like um, is so much closer to what really what it could be in terms of genuinely developing skills. And I think we're seeing, we're seeing a physically dominant rugby. We're seeing enough of the signs of highly skilled players now being able to make Good decisions very quickly that show that some of that stuff is now really starting to to work, and we're getting a a, a better and better product in terms of what rugby looks like um, for the viewing public.
1: And rugby has played a massive part in your life, but other sports you've been involved with, and I know you're a football coach. And there's you, I just feel that you you pick things and you learn from them, and it and it helps you with your focus and where you're going. What other sports do you look at and think they've got it right or I would love a shot of that or why are they not doing what they're doing? What what sports really interest you and get your back up a bit?
3: And i, I do you you're, you're dead right I, I like to look and, and listen I, I suppose I come back to kind of principles so that people do so there's no there's no from certainly what I've looked at there's no one personality that works well as, as a coach it can be any you know you don't the the shouter and baller you know you, you you can you can put someone who's more passionate people can get a lot from that because you, the passion just comes off the the quieter more reflective you know you can get maybe some of the more the the, the, the detail having a range of styles is quite useful i spent a lot of time looking at American football because I'm fascinated there. Of, of um, a lot of sports as a coach, you, you once they they go on to the the pitch or the court, then then that's it. You know, you, you're you're relying on the job that you have done is is allowing them to make good decisions and do the right things under pressure. And sometimes you have a chance to talk to them between that. Sometimes you don't. American football is fascinating because it's a it's a lot of it is very scripted. To so use an individual, Bruce, here's your route here. So you've got to run seven yards forward then eight yards to the left and turn it and the ball will be there. And then it's fascinating what they have to learn. But then if that doesn't happen, then the second thing that might happen is if, if if they've defended it differently, is then you might have to run here next. And then, so a lot of it is pre-programmed and you have to go through. So it fascinates me that these big coaches in America get a lot of credibility for this, where, where play, for picking what to do in certain situations. So they spend hours on video looking at what teams are going to do but then the quarterback is the thing that fascinates me the most because the amount of information they have to process in a game is unbelievable. So they they make they play, they call the play, they go down, they then look at um, what the opposition defence are going to do. Then they might change the call at that point. Then each of the different receivers or, or what the play is going to be, they might have two or three options for each of those receivers. So imagine having to try and to process all that information in one go. So it's fascinating how those individuals, someone like Tom Brady can do that for so long over such a long period of time. So there's lots of really good shows on TV that look behind the scenes of American football, School of Hard Knocks, et cetera. So they're they're really interesting from, if you're into coaching, they're fascinating to watch, to see an approach to coaching that, um, that really is is kind of very prescriptive in some regards, but in, incredibly complex in, in others to allow someone to process information in a short period of of time. And um, again, sorry, I'm, I'm I'm conscious I'm rattling on here, but the football coaching I've I've loved doing that because uh, um you know we chatted recently. You know, one of the biggest coaching challenges that I've ever had was was twenty you know thirteen and fourteen year old boys on my own with a bag of footballs and half a dozen cones on a quarter of a football pitch on a wet, windy night in Stirling. You know, you go, how are you going to allow those those 20 individuals to, to get something out of that that makes them want to come back and, and feel like they've had a, a progression from that one hour session? So uh, um, that's been great to be able to do that, 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 um, that sort of age group. And I've, yeah. I've certainly tested myself. Would I say it is exactly my sweet spot in terms of, you know, that's the, I, I have the, I could not well, if I could have the skills at that level, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big challenge and, and um, lots of parents are putting their hands up to do it, which is great, but it's, it's very difficult. So we're, we're asking volunteers to take that on. And it really, in, in many ways is the hardest coaching challenge we'll, we'll face in sport.
1: Especially when one of them is your own. Exactly. Yes.
3: <laughs> Doesn't 13 or 14 year old as a boy, all he's worried about is that you say something daft in front of his pals that is going to make him uh, <laughs> ridiculously embarrassed. So, um, yes, that's, that's an interesting dynamic. So, again, but again, for the next one hour, son, I'm your, uh, I'm your coach, I'm not your dad, okay? So, yeah. but that's uh, easy to say, not so easy to do.
1: <laughs> now, you mentioned your brothers, and I know I've, I've taught some of your nephews and and nieces and thing and one of those annoyingly uh, able families who put a lot of time and effort into sport I remember your niece just blew me away being good at bloody everything Uh, and and a determination that I think comes from that environment now you mentioned about coaching for an hour and I was asked to go on a, a coaching podcast a couple of years ago and it was run by a football guy and he was talking about it at Manchester United. They have the cage where they just put people in and they just play and learning happens in the cage and and this kind of thing. Now, when I was a kid in Stou, we had the tar, which was pretty much a cage and we played uh, a rubbish wee ball and you learned to push him and kick him and elbow him, but you knew you were going to get kicked off of him and, and we learned a lot in that environment, totally unstructured, but it was play and we were passionate and we fell out with him because he cheated or her because she was offside or because it, it really mattered, but you learned a lot. I would imagine you and your brothers in the back garden had games that wouldn't make sense to me because they were the danger rules. And you would have come to the tar and watched me and my big brother Craig playing one each end and going, what? the hell is this but we played for hours and hours and hours now lots of parents um take their kids to stuff that start at seven and finishes at eight and the kids are going to be coached where does the play fit now do you think
3: yes yeah, this, this is crucial the I, I guess a key a key message i think is is for anyone, I suppose, by summarising a lot of the stuff that I feel that important from what I've learned so far, is it is not to take that learning responsibility away from the individual. We do that too often by jumping in too quickly to tell someone or saying, "Here's what you need to do," or, or "Don't worry, I'll get this for you," kind of thing So don't don't take that learning responsibility away. It takes a bit longer sometimes because you've got to allow people to go through things and think about it and what would you do here. And I think that's exactly what's happening when you talk about unstructured play just out there. You have to find a solution. So this this big kid here is is running rings around us how, how are we going to manage to get around it you know this is this is good fun so we'll find a way and that exploration and stuff whereas sometimes it can be tempting to come in so here's how we have to hold it here's 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 what you need to do and, and that kind of over coaching if you like so there's, there's a massive place for uh, for that i think it's a shame for young people last 12 months you know they've not been able to get out and do that kind of stuff um, and 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 play. My my oldest son is involved in professional football, but he even when he was was full time, he still would take some time to go and kick a baller out with his pals because that's. Where he, where he got to where he did was just doing that, messing about, doing fancy kicks and all that kind of stuff. And that's the fun part. Of it was the learning part of it as well. So we need to fit it in both of those things in, and we need to m- make sure if we're going to take people in for an hour's coaching from seven to eight, what, what are the things that we're actually focusing on there? Is it all about technique and structure? and Or is it some of the fun stuff we want to do as, as, as well? Is it about some of the psychological stuff? Is it the behavioral stuff you want to develop? listen, everything about tonight's going to be, listen, let's let's challenge ourselves and see what we can do. And if it doesn't quite come off, let's take some time to talk about it and what we do differently next time. So the content of that is really crucial. So still have some of that, have a combination of the both. But if there is something that we might miss from unstructured play, what, what is that? Let's understand that and then let's make sure we add that into something which is a little bit more structured, but still delivered in a way which gives a responsibility of learning to the individual and is fun and enjoyable to do. So you get them keeping coming back as well.
1: My, my wife gives me a hard time when I start talking about growing up in Wee Village of Stow because she says you weren't Ur-Wally. Like you, you make <laughs> out that this is Ur-Wally, but in Stowe if you wanted a game of football, Danny Riddle was playing, having finished a day worth of fencing, and he was in his 50s, and, and I was playing as a a, nine, a 10-year-old and my big brother was playing, who's six years my senior, but conditioned games I'd never heard of until I went to be a PE teacher. Yeah. We'd been doing conditioned games in Stow Park for years and years, because exactly. he was only allowed three touches because otherwise nobody would get the ball, and you had to pass there, and you could only be two goals in front, and all that, Krista. Where... Where do you see that coming? Because if somebody was to bring their kid to you for a football session and you ended up just giving them unstructured play, they'd probably be saying, hang on a minute. But are we trying to recreate something that we hoped would happen outside of that structure?
3: Yeah, this is why I think it's definitely a combination of the the two because... um, you know the reason you you'd break a game down into smaller skills is to give people time on tasks to to practice a certain skill so if you're if you're not getting enough touches with your left foot in a in a in, a, in an unstructured game then then wh- when are you going to work on that when are you going to do that and that's what I think happened with with really switched on kids or or just because you adapted it, didn't you? you said right you're only allowed to play with your left foot now um, now that happened just kind of randomly and sometimes the environment would allow you to do that and sometimes it wouldn't. So it's bringing those elements in there. we still got to have a picture of what, what what's going to keep the kids in the sport for a longer period of time. What are some of these things? What, what do they enjoy about it? And then, then, then can we add these things in? Um, to, to to kind of so it's still a kind of more structured session but it can feel a bit more unstructured and and, um, and again particularly given responsibility to, to the learner. So so there's there's it's so all those good things that you know we, we came across and, and, and let's not just say well let's go back and do that just because that was good. Let's take some of the best of that, take some of the best of the other environment and throw it together. And, and that takes as I said before, it takes high skill from a coach to be able to do that takes a lot of understanding of all the building blocks of someone's long-term potential and then you've got to sell that to people to buy in because if you're asking parents when there's loads of other things they could do
2: hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: What is the benefit? And I don't think we sell that. We sometimes say sports good. Everyone should do sports. a good thing to do well why 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 is that some people have a horrible experience because they come in and they they feel the rubbish and they're no they're no good and and uh, they want they want to pack it in because they're not getting instant success and and uh, they want to post a picture online of of them winning a medal or something like that so so we've got to understand all those influences there so that's why I say it's really a difficult thing to do and there's a lot of competition now like um I'm a lot older than you but there was no there was, there was, there's so many more. There's, there's never been a a better time in life if you want to sit and do nothing at home and still be entertained. You know, I, I was, you know, you couldn't sit and, you know, you weren't into reading when you were a kid, and there was only three TV channels, and we didn't get a video recorder until we were, um, I was in middle, middle of my teens. I still remember now the remote control was on a on a wire thing which had to plug into the side of the video. So these, these nowadays you can stay home as as we've seen, and people can, I can get there's loads of stuff to do. You know, so we have to understand that is there. So we're, we've got to, if we're going to put a product out there which we want to draw young people away from that, which is, and there's lots of educational stuff as well. There's some brilliant documentaries, that, and there's loads of good things to, to watch on a screen. So if we want to draw people away from that. We've got to make sure the product is, uh, is actually one not only helps them in that one hour or whatever they're doing, but also you're developing some skills they can take into the rest of their life. So it's um, while it's moving on, it's great. There's there's some great things in there. But for sport, it kind of makes their life a little bit more challenging because we can't just provide same old, same old for young people and expect them to keep flocking back and and turning up. So again, investing resources in a a real key area. And I always like this idea of this question, are, are people successful because of the help and support you provide them or despite it? They just find a way to work around poor coaching or poor teaching or poor poor manager, whenever it might be in a business setting.
1: Yeah, I hear that a lot of teachers who told kids they were never going to be, and then the kid becomes a, a yeah. and unfortunately it still seems to be happening. Um yeah. music is an interesting one for me because I've not got I can't read music um and I don't play an instrument and there is a story that I tell when I I get onto growth mindset about trying to learn the guitar but I quite often talk to kids in sport about music where you go for your lesson for an hour, but if you only did the lesson for an hour, your rate of progress is going to be really slow. You go for an hour to get that input, and then it's up to you to go away and put in the 12 hours of practice to, to make any improvement. That can only come with passion, inspiration being ignited, but building habits how do you go about encouraging people to build those good habits
3: yeah a really um a really good and difficult question there's a there's definitely a number of people that i've spoken to high performing in sport who they needed a bit of a nudge to get over that hurdle to keep going back for whatever reason so i think the idea of saying particularly young people well you just choose what you want to do um, is, is, a, is a tricky one because sometimes people can you, you've got to persevere maybe long enough. Music's a great example. Does someone really like to do, you know, hours and hours of, of, of practice? Um, why is that? Is it because your, pa- your mom and dad want you to do it? What, what's really driving that? that? But then ultimately, to me, what you'd look at that, what, what are you learning from that? You're learning commitment, you know, and dedication to a particular thing. You're, you're learning some fine motor skills. You're learning how to communicate with someone else who might be a teacher who might be older than you, for example. So, in terms of what you genuinely learn from that, it's not necessarily how to be, you know, the the outcome that you hear when someone plays the music, but you learn all those particular skills as you go. And uh, and, and I think those are the things that, that, which are really important to sell because ultimately you and I know as, as you older and young kids don't know this yet. You, you need these things in whatever you do in life, whether it's just in your own personal relationship, it's, you know, you've got to commit to that, whether it's a job, whether it's all, all these different things. So these are these are just particular skills which are then focused on a particular area you're interested in. And there's no point hammering someone if they really, really don't like it. But it's always a great question to ask. And we've asked our kids whenever it came to a a situation where they were doing something and they decided they didn't want to do it again, we'd always have that discussion, an open and honest discussion. Okay, that's fine. So we're keen to understand a bit about why, you know, what you're thinking here. Sometimes it's because I want to do something else because my pals are doing it. And and sometimes there's a particular element of it that they didn't enjoy. But then when we talked it through, they decided to persevere and, 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 and did actually get more out of it. You know, um, there's a whole host of reasons. So we've, um, I, I think that's a, a an, an important part of it as, as well. Is that the, the the habit building takes a bit of time, and it's it's kind of um, and have have good people around about you to ask you the question, to nudge you in the right. Come on, you'll be fine. You'll find you go for ten minutes, see where it's like. I've, I've heard my, heard myself do that with my kids loads. You know that. Okay, should I be doing this? Should I be saying, listen, You've got to go. you come on. Let's go and do it. Um, but then having good people around about you who you know are going to nudge you, but then having the, the time to have relaxed dis- discussions at the right time and saying, let's understand a bit more about where you're coming from here. Well, it's because I'm rubbish at it and everybody else is better than me and I feel embarrassed. Well, then you address that. And if it's something else, then you can uh, you can address that. So good people very important to have good parents around about you and and um and obviously as we said we already said a good coach or a good teacher uh, to, to have that who's who who understands that that responsibility that their job is to build good habits but you know if the, these can be transferable these are these are great habits they can tra- transfer into anything they want to do
1: And and i've just written that down because i wanted to make sure i got to that i say to kids all the time about music and languages because they tend to be the subjects when it gets to subject choice time, they, they tend to be the ones that kids discard very, very quickly. Yeah. And I, I say to them, if you can play a musical instrument and if you can learn a language, you can learn anything. You can do anything because of how it makes the brain work and how malleable you have to be and the dedication you give. And although, and, and then the comeback is, but I'm never going to France and I don't need to do so it. Actually, the language isn't what's important. It's the learning that's important. But as you said, kids Absolutely. don't know that yet. Us trying yeah. to sell learning can be quite a difficult thing because it doesn't have that instant outcome rather than a or a test or an exam. But even that can feel like it's quite far in advance. Getting yeah. the learning bit and motivation, uh, resilience, dedication, uh self-discovery problem solving all of those bits that come from learning the violin might help you become a sports coach or an accountant or a social worker or or any of those jobs yeah. how often do you talk to people about and, and you must do it a lot so this might get us into this next bit i'm always amazed the number of sports people who are now working in business and advising businesses what is it sport is able to teach business
3: the, the number, I think we have to be a little bit careful with sport because I, I would look at an awful lot of coaching I've seen in sport and say that's not a good example of what good, good coaching is because it is, there's still too much of do five of these and three of these and if if this happens, do this and if that happens, don't, don't do that. But what I think sport does is you, you live your life in sport is always looking for tiny areas to try and improve and be better, whereas that what business does can do is because they're so busy doing stuff they already know how to do. So sometimes they bring in people with a skill set rather than grow that skill set from within. So everything I do is to help organisations to develop an environment which is much more about the growth of the individual. It's really interesting that that the motivators for younger generations now moving into the workplace, particularly coming out of America, has moved away from career progression and salary to to individual growth. That's what people are looking for. The number one thing they're looking for in their boss is a good coach, because they want to grow and, and learn and move forward. Now, there is a little bit of a disconnect because young people want to move too fast. They want the big salary and the nice car without doing the hard yards. So that there's a, they have to be careful with the, their aspiration. But, but this is the way the world is changing for, for the older generation. And, and an older manager... Managing a young younger individual, they have to be aware of these things that are that are, are going on there so but then the number one things I think business really should look at is this idea of continually trying to be a little bit better now than you were a week ago a month ago a year ago that that 's key and too much of development of business is an annual appraisal where you sit down once a year to talk about how you've done. And it's usually based on some kind of outcome. Did you hit your target this year? I know mean, oh yeah, what, what was your development area you had in your, your appraisal? I can't remember what that was. Okay, well, we'll stick something in for next year. And then, so listen, well done. You've, you've hit your target, but we're going to increase that by 10% next year. So if you go and do that again, and, and rather, rather than talking about, well, what skills would I need to do to then, have a 10% higher target. So people end up just working, getting up earlier and working later. So it, it's, it's the one thing we, we need to, I think sports people are in the habit of doing that, is looking at themselves, what are the skills I need to be successful here? How can I continue to work on those on a regular basis to allow myself to look back over a year and say, yeah, I'm better now than I was 12 months ago. And I feel it doesn't happen enough in, in, in whole, whole aspects of life. You yeah. know, if you're a parent, if you, can you look back, look back today and look back and say, am I a better parent now than I was 12 months ago? And if, and if, if you, everybody hopes, will say, hopefully I am. Well, What are the specific areas? And the way I live my life is I look at the specific areas. So I want to be better at this element. So I work on it, I add it in, I look for opportunities, I'll, I'll try and get better, I'll, I'll get some feedback. And then I keep looking back thinking, yeah, I, I do genuinely feel that I move myself forward in these specific areas over the last week month 12 months and that, I think that's a great way to live your life that's what we're designed as human beings i think we know we like new stimuli we like to move forward we like to grow that's important that's why we've got to where we are in the in, in the world so so applying that so i think it is what that's the number one thing i would say i, I would I'm, I'm not bringing a whole host of stuff from sport because i've seen an awful lot of stuff that's not done very well and i'm also we, you don't have the time in business you know you've got stuff you need to get done we don't have 24 7 to work out how we can do things a little bit better. So we need to do little, little, and often is the key. But be very focused on 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 key key areas. So th- th- there is a transfer, but that that to me, well, I've looked at it as a number one thing. You know, build development is is part of your day job, not as something you do on a a kind of monthly or annual basis. Uh,
1: the the continual development, the the annual review is something that's frustrated me for years. And there should be little markers to, to try and address those. Some of them can be daily and some of them can be weekly. I, I've seen kids, kids are so smart in certain areas and you can see them sometimes rolling their eyes and going, he's been on a course. Or, <laughs> you know, they, they know exactly what you've just done at INSET because every teacher is doing that thing on Tuesday morning having just learned it on yeah. Monday afternoon. How do you keep away from fads and and things that are just off the shelf, right? We've seen them do that, so we'll we'll do that.
3: Yeah, I think there's um. You mentioned growth mindset before. For people who are aware of that, a lady called Carol Dweck, her work, that that whole thing has has fascinated me because it's a piece of work which has been around since the seventies. There's some brilliant, brilliant, you know, research in there, and some real principles that are easy to to um, sell to people because they make a lot of sense about this idea of, of don't, don't, you know. Um, well, before I go on to that, I ask people, say, Well, have you read? You know, I've heard about Cardwick and all about growth mindset. So, what, 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 what is mindset? What does that mean? What, in, her, in her research, what does it mean? And people don't know because they've not taken enough time to understand. Mindset is really your belief about where ability comes from and whether it's actually something that you can learn and grow and is malleable or whether it's, or it's fixed and you can't change it very much. So unfortunately what happens with the fads is people take it, they don't go into enough detail to really understand how to apply it and the bang it out there is a few series of buzzwords and then suddenly we lose some really good things because of of, of um, the, this terminology that goes with it. And I can see why people are selling terminology because it becomes theirs and, and people then go and buy books and buy products, et cetera. Let's, if, we, if we're serious about helping people to learn, Don't use the buzzwords. Just take the concepts, and the concepts of the best ones of mindset are behaviours, and there's five behaviours which are key. We've got to work hard in areas, but not just any area, but the ones that make a big difference. You've got to challenge yourselves and not do the easy stuff, but do the hard stuff so we can learn from it. Setbacks will happen, so things will go wrong. Let's commit some time and effort to learn from that and not use that as a way just to define our ability. Let's actively look for feedback and make sure the environment's rich in the right kind of feedback and let people take responsibility for their own learning. So, to me, um, and this is just a, a, an idea, but you know, those are elements which are part of any lesson you deliver in any school, whether that's maths or English or music. So that should be not just the content we're going to deliver. Here's how we're going to play this, or here's what we're going to do adding up or taking away today. But we're going to focus on challenge. So we're going to challenge people in different different areas. So we, if we if we take the basics, then we can avoid using the the, the fads and the buzzwords and just to build it on a solid foundation. And I would say to anyone who goes on a course like that, take longer to really understand what are some of the real foundation principles that either reinforce what you do or add to it. But add it into your natural style and don't just suddenly come up with a new thing because people can see through that, particularly if you don't, well, you started something a few months ago, Mr. H, and why are we not doing that anymore? You think, oh, uh, because we've been told to do something else now. So uh, you yeah. so have to be careful with the buzzwords and the, the, that, that sort of stuff, but do take time to reflect and think about it and, and add it into sl- slow little changes to what you're doing. So it just feels like a gradual process of you developing your craft rather than kind of jumping from one thing to the next. Because as you say, Young young kids, are not as emotionally developed as we adults, but they're smart. They they can see through something which is a bit phony straight away.
1: There's, There's two things that worry me about growth mindset, especially in schools. If I see a growth mindset poster, I'm already suspicious. And if somebody tells me they're doing a growth mindset lesson, it always worries me. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I was, my sister in law was, she sent me a message. Oh, this would be a couple of years ago now. Our, my nephew had come home from school and they'd had uh, an assembly. And my my sister in law, Claire, thought I would get a big kick out of this. And she, she was right because they'd had this whole assembly on Brazilians. And I was like, Brazilians? And yeah, a whole assembly on Brazilians. And she'd asked them, what? what was the assembly about? He said, well, you know, when when you get something wrong, but you keep trying, and even though something's difficult, you keep going. So he'd heard Brazilians, but it was a whole assembly on resilience. And I (laughs) I was just, I was in tears laughing. he'd,
3: he'd,
1: He'd got the concept, but he'd completely got the buzzword wrong. And I just thought that was just magic. The Brazilians are very good at keeping going. Mum. I, uh, I thought
3: you were gonna I thought you going tell me they had a beauty therapist who came in to, to do some of our work.
1: <laughs> no, no, not quite as exciting as that. Okay. <laughs> did did you ever watch the Michael Jordan um series during the first lockdown that everybody watched?
3: I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. No, no. It, it is on it is on my list. I know it's been out for a while, but um you know, I, I can. I'm a reader, if I'm honest, Bruce. I've, I've read, you know, probably an unhealthy amount because I, I like that, just be able to sit and reflect. So I, I do like some of these things, but I've, I've certainly not run out of things to watch. But uh, I've heard it's very good, and I, and I do like that kind of thing. as loads you can pick up.
1: There's there's one bit in particular that, that really hits home, and you mentioned about your son. Although he's involved in a, in a high level of sport, he still liked the social play because they still love it. And I always, you know, when you see professional footballers, they get to do football a lot, or any professional athlete. Would they do it if they weren't getting paid for it? I I always wonder. And Michael Jordan, when he's shooting Space Jam, part of his condition is that they build him a facility, because he's trying to get his basketball game back. And he runs these pickup games. But it's like the All-Star Weekend. Everybody goes to play Michael, and it's pure. It's selfish for him. It's his development. It's him wanting to improve, and then he says on it that I'm watching him, and he's got that, so I know I can attack that in the regular season, and he's doing this, and that's a strength, so I'll have to combat that. But he just loved it, but he was really driven by competition. He wanted to be the best, but not everybody can be Michael Jordan, and... Ian Milne, who you'll know, the bear, Mm. um, he keeps talking about how we need more rubbish rugby players because we need third teams and fourth teams. And how much do you think we're able to do for participation? And then that'll help the late developer or that'll help the person that maybe stumbles into it from another sport. How hard do you think we're having to work for that in this country?
3: Yeah, and I think th- those people are the ones that are, are kind of... We're, we're missing those ones who are dropping out too early now because there's some other things to do. So in the past, you might have stayed because, well, what else am I going to do if I don't come along to rugby training or football training or hockey training? Well, now well, I can sit at home and I can watch, you know, any number of things on, on, on TV. I, I still always come back, and I, I do get that, but I still think if people can... We, we don't like to there's not much that we probably do that we're, i'm totally rubbish at this you, you have some element do we like that we, we we like to add value to groups and teams that's part of our human nature we evolved into societies for a good reason so we became part of groups because it was safer ultimately and being part of a team but we had to add value there otherwise you found you were out of that group when you're on your own and survival was much harder so even if you're in a team so you still got to add value because people will want to do well so i still think we need to encourage people to go at their own pace See the signs of success, and and not and tell the stories about the superstars who, don't, who who end up, you know, running out of steam because people catch them up because either they've just had some advantage, which might be physical or it might just be more time on task. So we need those those people. So it's them but but we still we still need to come back to really rubbish. Then then um, and they're not improving. Are they really likely to keep going with something or find something else when there's loads loads of other things to do? So still have that spirit. If you've only got one-hour session a week with your team, and you're playing at a recreational level. Try and make sure you're 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 sharp enough to to make that a useful one hour. Or, or I encourage people to do things on their own. I, I still remember my first rugby tour to, trip to New Zealand, uh, and this was a, this was before professionalism, so we were allowed out and about a bit more. And you you met and you went to your pubs and you spoke to locals and, and it was it was awesome, you know. And all the the club rugby at that point in New Zealand was all you know, we, so what do you, what do you do at training? And, uh, and we said, oh, we always do fitness on a Tuesday night, and it's a bit of sprints on a Thursday night. And they said, well, we don't do any of that. And they say, listen, that's our responsibility, do it in our own time, go for a run, you know, whatever you want to do. So we spend our time on the technical stuff and the skill stuff, and, and um, it really resonated with me because I thought, well, you know, we're, we're doing all this stuff, and I think, yeah, I should be doing this on my own. it doesn't – I go for a run after work, it's easy to do. So we need to think in that way. This and let's make the very best use of the the time that we've got. So people actually have a bit of fun, and this is maybe where unstructured games come into, um, you know, more of that that kind of participation level and club level, third and fourth, fifteenth level. That we, but again, th- these are everything I'm talking about. I'm I'm conscious. This is not easy to do. So if we don't put a huge amount of thought into what we're going to deliver there, then we just turn up and it's well. It's a second Tuesday in October. So we always do this on the second Tuesday in October. And uh, we always do a good 10 laps to the fish to warm up. You're going to get people are going to lose motivation. And there's there's too many other options now of, of stuff they can do that they can go to the gym. You know, it's inside, it's dry, it's air conditioned. You know, you get a wee coffee afterwards and stuff. So, so we need to be, uh, we need to do, we ultimately. We can't, we've got to be good, haven't we? We're in a small country with a small population. You know, if we want these things and these outcomes, we've got to think about what we're doing and, and, and let's be as good as we can in those areas.
1: And you, you've you literally written the book on this. Um, so you, you wrote the book on, on red dot parenting, which which I read and, and I've encouraged other people to read and uh let people borrow my copy, which you're going to give me a row for because they should really be buying their own one, but um. How how often do your kids roll their eyes and go, "Oh no, he's coaching us again"?
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate the plug. It, it was a real passion of mine. Um, when I, the work I do with sports, and I still work with sports now, if you said to me if I wanted to kind of had an hour with someone and I wanted to try and influence, you know, the, the the young person the most, would I speak to that young person as a group? Would I speak to their coaches? I would speak to parents. I'd speak to the parents every time. They are the most motivated group who want to help that they're least well informed th- through their interactions with the sport about what to do for the best, it's not just kind of pay for this and um, and pick them up, drop them off then and pick them up there. So again, it's it's part of parenting. The so Red Dot painting is really about helping parents understand their role, the things they can do, the stuff they're doing well already, but also some ideas of things they could they could try that that will make a difference based on all the challenges that we've uh, that we've talked about. So so that was a real a real passion. Um, it, everything, all the content in there, and I had to look through it the other day. Actually, um, I live all that stuff on a day-to-day basis. I guess it's it's who I am. I my kids probably wouldn't say it's coaching anymore. I just think it's interactions with uh, with dad, and I use a number of different things. Sometimes I just I I do things, and they they mimic my they just copy what you do. It's amazing that sort of stuff when you're in a close proximity with people. But they know that um, the the a strong message from me and and, and my wife is the same it's their responsibility. We don't want to take that away from learning. We're here to help and support you, but but come and talk to us. And we've got a good relationship and an open relationship with with them in terms of they'll come and and talk to us about stuff. But uh, I probably feel like I am, it doesn't feel like coaching and and the work I do in business, the end game really for us, you you don't, whatever you decide to call it, basically these are interactions with other human beings. and, And part of what I take my role very seriously of helping other people to reach their potential. If I recognize something, and although it might be a bit of a tricky conversation to have, then I'm going to have that conversation, not because I want to, to highlight that I've done something wrong, um, but because I think maybe, maybe this can help you to see things in a different way or do things in a different way. So it just became, I never think of it as coaching ultimately, although I use the word, it's just really supporting somebody else's learning. And thats uh, if that's important to you in life, then you, you'll look and see the opportunities. And then the key thing is take as many as you can because you'll look back when when your time is up and say did you know did I did I genuinely help and support others will they remember that will that level on other people fantastic then however long you, you last you you've done you've made a good fist of it. I would say
1: I remember being at a a business networking event and you were there speaking and you had a room full of some pretty high flying Edinburgh business people absolutely in the palm of your hand and you were asking them about how important coaching was and then how much attention did you put onto it and there was a huge difference. Everybody thought it was important, but they weren't necessarily giving it, tight, you used the phrase, time on task, so they weren't necessarily improving their coaching uh, abilities and capabilities. Are you looking for the ripple effect? You help people who you know are then going to go and help other people?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's a, we need to understand what good coaching looks like and be quite be sort of very simple, and some of the stuff we've talked about are the, the building blocks of good coaching then if you if you start delivering that, then I see so I see my my older my older two. Rosie's twenty two, George's twenty, Jack's fifteen, I can see Rosie and George stuff that we've talked about, talking to the younger brother in in that way, which is great. So that's the the learning, the seeing seeing things done that way. This is the environment we create. You know what it's like in in a big environment like a school. If we operate in a certain way, people copy that and mimic it. This is how we do things around here, ultimately. So it's really important asking loads of questions, giving people responsibility, their job to come up with the solutions, make them feel part of it, make them feel valued, trust them to take on new tasks, all these things, all these emotions are so important. to drive a lot of the behavior. So how do you, um, it's a, again, another crucial learning. People remember much more than the detail, They remember how you make them feel. So remember that. How, how do I want these people to feel? How do you want the kids to feel when they walk out the door from the class, bored out their skull of the, of the same information or inspired because they've, they've actually moved, feel like they moved themselves forward? So, so use that. And we, this is where we started, didn't we? People remember 30-plus years ago how it felt to be part of an, an environment where a team that was an underdog, Felt felt like that had a an outside chance, but it was a one in ten chance, maybe of beating a very good England team, and we were all emotionally invested in that. And then what you learn from that, ultimately, is by changing the tactics, by working hard, by by using the the, the energy of the crowd, we we're able to overcome that. And and people remember. I can still feel I'm, as I'm talking about. I can feel that little tingle down the back yeah, of neck. That's that, that's too. years ago. Um, <laughs> and that's what that's what we connected. So the power of relationships in this world, but those, are, those emotions that we can connect to with, with individuals are, are are crucial. So I think it's a, a key part of how I hope to try and live my life, but it's not, the job's not done yet. You know, this is, um, is where I want to keep aspiring to be better and improving.
1: Uh, I remember observing a teacher who, as I arrived at class before the kids arrived, she said to me, oh, I can't believe you've come to watch this. This is the most boring lesson of the year. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I nearly cried. I nearly, I'm sure she I, didn't I, disappoint either. Yeah. No, she didn't. I tell you what, I sure, <laughs> I think it might have been the most boring lesson of the decade. Um, I, I won't name that person because I'd get shot, I think. Um, right, I, we're getting there, Tori, and you've given me a huge amount of time, but I love it. And as you know, I, I could go on forever. I, I, there's, two, there's two things to this one question I'd like to answer. Who would you love to go and learn from? So which person or which business, which environment, which team would you like to go to and immerse yourself in for a week to learn if you could only choose one? And then the other one would be, who would you love to go and support and work with to try and improve? So is there a is there a coach or a player or an individual or your next door neighbor that you think actually you could do a week worth of Tony Stanger? So who would you learn from and who would you go and help?
3: Oh, um, in, interesting! The, the way the way I've, I've approached, rather than so, the first thing John, to me was I'd love to go to American football, having seen it. I'd love to go and look inside there in terms of what goes on, particularly in terms of how they're selecting these athletes. You know that these these the draft for example these are million dollar contracts young people so they combine they look at these players and what goes on how they're assessing them so I'd love to go and just try find out a little bit more um, that's going on in there so I couldn't necessarily give you a, a, a team um, you know but but it would be um, it'd be fascinating to have a look at that because, because it's, it's a sport that I'm, I'm really interested in as I said before but I don't know enough about other sports I've become, become involved in so I, one find w- way which is which is really good about the, the, the modern technological age you're working is you can learn thinking from loads of people by looking at a video and might be a TED talk or a book and stuff so you can you can so I, I love doing that but what I'd say to anyone who's who's doing that is what are you doing with that information because people say to me about a book they've read and so that what did you what did you um so what are you doing differently now because of that and it's like what do you mean you know, and some things you can read just because it's enjoyment, absolutely. But have you taken little elements and little nuggets from that? So I've actually, what, I've, I, what I do is I, I write down some of the key things and I go over those consistently, the, the, the little sort of little things which I think are important. Like, for example, I said before, people remember how you make them feel. So I've I've absorbed that through different reading and, and that, then I apply that regularly. That's a key part of how I deliver now because of something I've learned. So I go and have a look at American football um, I still do think there's a, there's, a, there's a real, there's lots of brilliant people who work in different businesses who haven't got time to really think about, well, how could I do this better? If I wanted to really get more out of the people around about us and move away from the annual appraisal system, how on earth would I do that? I haven't got time to think through that. So I'd like to get a group of, of kind of you know, good leaders in a in a room who who have a core responsibility for that, and a number of different businesses, so we can share ideas and then just kind of share some thoughts and then see what works in their their uh, environment. So ultimately, I do do that kind of anyway, but I, that's the stuff I love doing because if you can help someone to think through a quite complicated area and give them some clarity, but also say, and well, here's what you need to do to apply this, and you know what, it's not that difficult if you're committed to it. Then the feel good you get from doing that is is amazing, so um as much as I love sport and I will continue to work in sport there's a, there's some brilliant people who you know their passion might be accountancy or or something like like that which is which is different from sports so i'd love to to share some of the things that i 've learned which will will really help them
1: yeah the, your point on the talks and what you 've learned i'm i'm worried for kids and teams when we get out of this situation and go back to training because there's people who have watched every single video and read books and been on webinars, and when kids come back, they're going to be juggling with razor blades and they're going to be doing all because they've seen somebody come up with this idea. So it's going to be interesting to see how coaches and and teachers have learned like you're saying from the experiences yep. they've had in the last year where there has absolutely. been a chance to learn and but it's learning totally. a different way i'll be yep. interested to see if it makes people better tony thank you uh, i have absolutely loved it uh, i could me go too. on and on but I, i'm asking people at the end of the pods to finish a sentence for me um, and i'm i'm really interested to know how you're going to finish this so for tony stanger happiness is
3: um, um, it, sounds, it sounds like we've set this up not, Happiness is learning something new. I, I, I do. I've I've had jobs in the past, which I've, I've I when I've moved on, I've looked back and thought, what what is the what is the real reason, uh, why? And I was probably a bit bored because I wasn't stimulated enough. So really, happiness is why my own Stanger Pro as a business is seven years old, and it's it's been. You know, every day is a school day. Ultimately, I love that idea. of Taking a good book, talking to someone, I just love that, and, and seeing if I could use that so that I feel like as a human being, I'm going going forward and not 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 backwards. So yeah, it sounds sounds <laughs> it sounds like kind of stage dancer, but no, just learning something new. I, lo- I love that. That's when I'm. I think my my wife would say I'm at my best when I'm I'm really involved in something, learning something new, which is kind of allows me to move forward. So um, yeah, that that would be it.
1: Yeah, I reckon it's time that we had Tony Stanger in Parliament or the UN <laughs> or something. I think there's there's lots people could learn. Tony, thank you very much for giving up your time. I've absolutely loved it.
3: Me too. Thank you, Bruce. Much appreciated. Thank you. Take care.
1: Oh, you're on your own now. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Well, uh, a hero of mine, um, and I'm just delighted that he's able to take time and, and speak, and there's something in there for everybody, whether you're a teacher, a parent, an athlete, a business person, uh, right from the horse's mouth. What an absolute superstar, and very, very humble, but very determined, and absolutely with a growth mindset. I have loved it and I have learned by listening. Uh, my name is Bruce Acheson from the Happiness Is podcast. Please download on Apple, Spotify or Acast. We're also on YouTube and Facebook where you can see us in action as well. If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review so other people can find us and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. My name is Bruce Acheson and my happiness is egg I'm chaos,
2: and
1: our our
3: happiness 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 is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped, and loves a circle with no end. No, no, no! (laughs) Stop! 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 This last night, and he said happiness
1: is
0: egg-shaped.
3: Happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped, and loves a circle with no end.